But our God made the heavens and the earth to see and all that dwell therein. And so we exalt you and we worship you. We honor you. We adore you because you are good. Because your mercy endures forever. In the name of Jesus. And I say this with me, Heavenly Father. Your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering. And that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom. And I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to take a moment here and greet those that are watching with us on Facebook Live. Please watch, like, and share, uh, comment, and uh, also uh, go out to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all of a bunch of messages out there, and so we want to encourage you to please take the time that it takes. It's not long, it's not hard, uh, but all those videos that we've been teaching this year are there on demand, and we want you to be able to access the Word of God. So we'll have some information here at the end of the series that we definitely want to do um, share with you about um, the things that are coming up, because we have some events that we'd like for you to come and be a part of. Amen? All right. All right, so we're continuing on. Um, praise God for our worship team. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Fire, fire in the house of God, right? And so we are so excited about um, this time and what we're doing here. And um, our series on unleashing the increase of faith. You know, before things manifest in your situation that you're believing for, the fact that you are walking by faith means you've already increased. You didn't know that, right? It's not just when the thing that you're asking God to do happens that you get better. My covenant brother says it this way, things get, you get better. Uh, things get better because you do. Yeah, things get better because you do. And so the fact that you're actually taking the time that it takes to, to learn how to walk with God like Abraham, like Enoch, like Noah, like David, like Moses, the fact that your name is in that hall of fame of faith. You are already better because you're walking with God by faith, even without all of the stuff that you believe in him for. The fact that you learn how to access that life of God that's available to you through faith makes you better. You're better on the way to where you're going. And so you might as well learn how to enjoy the journey. You have to give yourself space to enjoy the journey on your way to what you're believing for. Because some people think they can only be happy when they get whatever that thing is. You have to give yourself space to enjoy where you are right now on the way to where God's taking you. All right. 
And so I want to encourage you about this. We're almost, you know, this series has kind of two parts to it, um, unleashing the increase of faith and then experiencing increase through faith. Now, those nuances are very clear in my mind, but they may not be in yours yet, but that's okay. I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there. Your pastor going to get you there. Um, but what I really want you to understand right now, we're just looking at how faith itself works. And then we're going to talk about how you can unleash the faith that you have on the problems, the promises, the possibilities that are in your life, right? So right now, we're just looking at faith as itself, right? Somebody gave you a tool and they didn't teach you how to use it. You, it might have features in it. Those of you who don't read your owner's manuals, it may have features in it that you haven't learned how to access. And so I'm taking the time to teach you how this feature, this, this tool that God gave you, because the scripture tells us in Romans 12 that God has dealt to every man among you the measure of faith. And so I'm just teaching you how that works, and then we'll talk about how to turn it on stuff. All right? So, um, and as we said, there's some other voices, so I got some special, something special for you next Sunday. Hallelujah. So other voices will be speaking in on this series as well. All right, objectives we said for this series, and I'm just going to do this really quick, to review and elaborate on the basics of understanding the force of faith, how it works and doesn't work, and walking by faith, right? I'm telling you as much about when it doesn't work as when it does, because some people think, well, something happened because mine didn't, it didn't work out the way I had intended it. Oh, that's part of the process. God factored in that you weren't going to get it all working the first time you tried, but that's okay. Start where you are, start with what you have, give it all you got. Number two, to examine you, to encourage you to examine faith as a toy, as a trial, as a tool, as a tactic, tactic or as a technology, or a termination. A termination means you, this is how you live. You will live by faith, and when you die, you intend to die by faith too. I saw it in the Bible that the, that the father said, today I'm leaving. Call my family so I can lay my hands and bless them before I go into glory. Yeah, so I intend to be in faith till I take my last breath. How about you? Number three, to enlighten levels of faith as described in Scripture and encourage self-examination to move you to spiritual acceleration in your purposeful faith development. Um, you know, I, I, you, you know, I'm an engineer and in, in, um, a senior manager slash executive, low-level executive. Um, but uh, in, in, in my secular assignment, and uh, it amazes me that we take time to develop metrics to grade people to determine what kind of reward that they're going to get. And then people come to the thing that will determine their eternity, heaven or hell, and how bad hell is going to be or how good heaven's going to be, and then they don't have any way to measure where they are along the journey. That just boggles my mind. I can't, I can't understand it. I mean, God don't care about numbers. He wrote a book called Numbers. I'm just saying, how do we know he fed 5,000? Because he counted and they wrote it down. So he told some people you have no faith, little faith, good faith, great faith. So he must have ways to measure where you are. 
If he's got ways to measure, you need to know how to measure it too. I'm just saying, I don't want to figure it out when I'm standing before him and I can't fix it. I want to learn how to do something when I can do something with it right now. Amen. Number four, to illuminate power keys and principles that I've learned in my own life and seen in the life of my mentors and spiritual leaders. And you'll hear one of those voices here uh, very, very shortly. Number five, to embolden you to release your faith for the illogical, inconceivable, and what is naturally impossible, such that God is free to move in amazing ways to bring his purpose to pass in your situation. A scripture that we've been going through in this part of the series is Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We spend a lot of time on hope, making sure you understand how, how hope is the blueprint, faith is the building materials, how those two things work together. So I'm just going to remind you of that. And if you don't got all of that, then get the YouTube channel, like I just said, and then go back and catch up because you need to catch up. All right. Then we gave you some definitions on faith. Faith, we said, is believing without sense realm evidence, agreeing and acting on divine promises until the power of those promises are displayed in open operation, agreeing with the truth of God's word until the power of that word changes situations. Faith is trust. What do you rely on, lean on, and put your confidence in? When it gets tough, what do you turn to? See, that's always a question. When you get that bad news, what's the first thing you want to do? Whatever that first thing you want to do, that's your God. Don't get it twisted, right? Now, you call it, you call it comfort food. You call it retail therapy. But whatever you decide that you want to turn to, that thing is your God. Don't, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Faith is the ability to believe that desirable things which we hope for actually already exist and belong to us. Faith says that the thing you're asking for is not something that doesn't exist. It already exists. It may exist in a realm that I cannot see yet, but it's already there. And it's already there, and I already have the title deed for it. It may not yet you know, be in the garage, but just because it ain't in the garage don't mean that the car does not exist. Sometimes you've done the deal, you signed it, and they're just, they're just shipping it. Yeah, yeah, my, my, my promises are in shipping and receiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought y'all would get that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Faith is the process, the equipment, and lifestyle provided by God, whereby the believer through this process of biblical belief, confession, and corresponding action, receives God's grace, precious promises, and pursued empowerments in world-overcoming quantities in spite of opposition, situation, and setbacks, enabling heaven's influence to interrupt and overpower earth's problems. Long definition, but we've, we've unpacked that before. Then I gave you a shorter, a shorter definition. I said, faith is my unfair, sustainable, competitive advantage over the world just when the devil think he got me on lock you know what i mean when i say on lock when he think he got me boxed in i have faith that lifts me up beyond anything he's bringing into my world just when they think they got me like you don't don't mess with me man my faith is still at work it ain't over yet because i'm still believing right 
It's unfair. It is sustainable because it won't stop if I don't stop. And it's a competitive advantage that makes me bigger, stronger, better than anything that comes against me. It's over the world because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. All right. Now, one of the things that we talk about here is I just want to, um, in at least in these messages, I'm just talking to you about some very basic principles about walking by faith. And so I asked God to give me ways to teach you about um, things that he's taught me. And so this, this, this part of it will really, really register if you are a person that's called, quote unquote, to fivefold ministry, meaning you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Maybe you know you have a call to ministry, but you don't have that kind of specificity yet where God has told you exactly what kind of minister you are. But I just want to teach you some things that the Lord taught me about ministry. You know, um, one of the grace that, one of the challenges that ministers have is they try to live on the grace that they have to preach. They try to live on the grace that they have to preach. Now listen, you can't do that. Okay, let me say that one more time. Listen, you can't do that. Okay, let me say it one more, one more time. Listen, you can't live on the grace that's available to you to minister to others and think that that's the grace that you're going to walk in in your own life because those two are separate. Pastor, I understand. Okay, let me give you an example. As part of the automotive uh, management team at General Motors, I have, we as a management team have access to three different separate pots of funds. Look at it on the screen, all right? We have, there is capital investment. I get, I have access to big dollars in the hundreds of millions of dollars that I get to develop those vehicles that you drive up in. It's not my personal money, can't live on it, but I still control it. And I'm responsible to make decisions with it, okay? That's one whole pot of money all by itself. And I make big there, I'm a, I'm a big ball of shot caller, don't get it twisted, don't, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Your pastor, yeah, your pastor is big balling and shot calling. Yes, I am. Okay. But it ain't my money. And if I try to take that money that was given to me to develop that and try to spend it like it was my own, they're going to carry me out and they might carry me out in handcuffs. It ain't my money. I'm responsible for it, but it's not mine. All right. There's another part of money here, go back to the list, there's another part of money that's available to us in management where we help people who we want to help get our vehicles, buy our vehicles, even though they don't have the money themselves, right? You call, you, you go into that little room when you go to the dealership, they ask for your credit report and then they tell you, if you sign this here, we'll give you this amount of money to help you buy the car at this interest rate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Even so, come Lord Jesus that we never have to go in that little room anymore in Jesus' name. 
I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just saying. Then number three on the list, there is a pot of money that's, that we use that includes our own personal salaries. Now that money I can take home. That's, that's my money. Okay. I don't, somebody tell me, I don't work for money. Didn't I say your paycheck must be a surprise every week. I don't do this. I'm, I'm like, man, no, I work hard. I, I, hey, the bread they give Pastor David, he work hard for the money. I'm just saying. All right. So there are three different funds. And if you get those mixed up, bad stuff happens. Got it? Okay, let's go on to the next one. In the same way, when you're in ministry, there are three different faith accounts that a minister of the gospel uses to do what they do. I have a certain amount of faith where I, I believe that the anointing on my life as your pastor and teacher will come out and give me ways to help you understand the word at your own level of comprehension. Like God gives me great examples like that. I, I on purpose, I believe that God's going to give me ways to make it humorous but relevant to you. That you're going to not forget it. Like there's a, I believe God for that. There's faith that comes to me to minister the way I teach the word. All right. And I'm teaching that word by faith. Right. And I'm believing that you're going to hear the word just like we talked about in the book of Romans chapter 10. You're going to believe it and call to it in your own life. That's the faith that God gives me to do this preaching, teaching ministry that I have for you. But then sometimes you can run into situations yourself where you heard the word, but you're not quite yet ready to believe it in your own situation. All right. And so what God then does is he gives me gifts of the spirit to help you receive beyond your own personal level of receiving. So where I could preach on healing and you could get it in on your own. You might not be yet at the faith level where you can really believe God. And God will just like you go down to that little room where they give you money that you don't have on your own. God says, I can use some faith of mine to help you raise you up to get stuff that you couldn't receive by yourself. I am preaching really good up in this piece. Okay. And so you have to understand that it's not just the word that I preach. I was in a place last night and I was doing some ministry and I, I heard a, it was a minister. And when I, when I got up to preach, I kept hearing the Lord tell me her name. And then I went on and preached and I ignored it. And then when the circle came back around, the Lord said, okay, now I done told you. Let's see, God, don't talk to y'all like that. He gives y'all the yeah, yeah, I say. Boy, I done told you. Because, see, I understood that there was another gift that the Lord was employing to help her receive beyond what she might have been able to hear and receive on her own. Okay? Now, there are preachers that live, try to live Offer the fact that they can preach good to other people or offer the gifts of the spirit that operate through their life for other people. That's misappropriation of faith funds. 
if you do that, you're going to go home and be bankrupt because you're trying to mix this into that. See, I can't spend all my time praying about y'all. I got to pray for me and my house. I got to pray for my daughter. I got to exercise faith for my own life, for my own situation. I'm praying for y'all. Listen, I, your pastor, you know, I'm logging hours calling your name out to God. I'm, move, I'm praying for this church. I'm praying for that. But listen, I can't spend all my time praying for y'all and not take care of my home front. See, there is a faith salary that I have to take out and then manage my own house. Can't just be praying for your house and then my house going to hell in a handbasket. Pastors and preachers haven't understood that. They thought that because they took care of God's house, that their house was just going to automatically be taken care of. And what they thought, what they, they didn't realize that they was trying to take company money and spend it in their own house like it was their own personal cash account. Now listen, if you get this right, that right there will change your life forever. I, listen to me. That I just dropped some serious knowledge on y'all. And now you understand why people can have all of this great ministry over here and then their own personal life be jacked up over there. So I'm going to be balanced. Listen, listen. When it's time for me to unplug from y'all and just love my wife, baby, bye. I'm going to drop the mic. I'm going to be deuces. I'm going to take care of my home front. And it don't mean I don't love you and not concerned about your situation. Don't mean none of that. But if I, if I, if I mismanage my personal faith funds, then I get disqualified from handle, helping you manage yours. I'm going to tell y'all to do some stuff that I'm not doing in my own house. Telling y'all to pray and I'm not praying. Telling y'all to give and I'm not giving. I'm not doing that, man. I'm supposed to be an example to you. But then sometimes I got to tell you, listen, you better go do your homework because I'm about to go home and do mine. And I can't do your job for you. You can't do my job for me. Everybody got everybody to put their own time in at home. The just shall live by his faith. So please ensure that you don't take the faith that you minister through and then try to live on it. Everybody got that? Okay, that's a really important point. I just changed your life if you got what I just said. Okay, I gave you the ABCs of faith and we've been walking through those, right? Let's put up there our list of the ABCs of faith, right? And so we've, we've talked about the fact that, you know, when we found a covenant promise in the word of God and built our hope in it, that we A, ask God. We ask him according to his will. At the moment we ask, we believe we receive it, right? And then once we believe it, then we call to it. We confess that it is so in the present tense, Okay. We go from our confession to demonstrating because faith without corresponding actions is dead. If you are believing for something, you need to get wisdom from God on what is the appropriate action that undergirds the thing that you're believing for. I preach like there's more people in this room because I'm asking for more people to be in the room. So I got to act like if I'm asking God to give me thousands, 
to preach the gospel to like I'm a preacher of the thousands. Yeah. I got to demonstrate. I got to act on it. I'm asking, God, I want you to give me the husband. Then you stay around in, the, in rollers all day with that house coat with the hole in it. Bro, man, ain't going to want to come home to that. So you're going to have to start acting like you married. Now, I ain't say rolling up on somebody. I'm just saying taking care of your house, learning how to cook, learning how to be nice to people. You got to learn how to act on what you're believing for. That's real simple. It's real plain. But people get all spooky. Got to demonstrate it. Got to do something. Last week, we talked about enduring with expectation, and we talked about that after you have done the will of God, then you need patience or endurance. And so we talked about, you know, Lord, I, I have asked, believed, confessed, and I'm even doing what you're telling me to do, but what do I do in the meantime? And why is that time so mean? Yeah, the meantime, the in-between time. You know, me and my, me and my daughter, uh, we have certain code that we talk to about money. Um, we don't say broke. Now, if you want to say it in your house, but in the Johnson household, we don't say broke. We just say we between seed time and harvest. We're in that meantime. We're in that middle period where we've sown the seed, but the harvest hasn't manifest. Dad, I'm between seed time and harvest. See, I can't rebuke her. Now, she came to me saying I'm broke. Then I'm going to get all over her. So she, no, don't come to dad saying I'm broke. Don't do that. That's not a confession we want to manifest. So our statement is, we just between seed time and harvest. Now that's only true if you sown some seed at seed time. Everything multiplies. A seed of nothing will produce a season of nothing. Even nothing multiplies. So, so you got to have already been at the seed time to be in between time. If you haven't been at seed time, then you're not at between time yet. That's free. That wasn't even, that wasn't even a message. So, so then we talked about, we went last week and I, I'd said it, but then I wanted to show it to you on the screen. Um, these four keys to sowing and reaping when you're in that enduring time. Let's show that, media team. We said that there is, and this is, this is, um, this is Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. Mark chapter 4, 26 through 29. And it said it was this principle of the seed, that the kingdom of God is a man who sowed seed in a field. And then after you sowed the seed, there's the principle of the season. That's the meantime in between time. When you have sown your seed, but nothing seems to have manifested yet. All right. There is always in scripture a time after you've done everything right before there's any visible manifestation. That's always true. Now, in some instances, it gets shorter, but it's always there. If it wasn't, Jesus wouldn't have said it. Jesus said that the man sleeps and rises night and day. And in that time when nothing visible is happening, Jesus said something invisible is happening. I call that roots, shoots, and fruits. 
that before the seed manifests to a sprout that you can see, in that season, things are happening in the spirit that you cannot see. Then after that is the principle of successive manifestations. The earth brings forth fruit of itself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So that says your harvest, you don't, don't step on blades looking for full corn. On the other hand, don't try to harvest the blade too soon because grass don't taste good. Got that? So the blade is only proof that something was happening all along. The devil tries to tell you ain't nothing going on. But once you see a blade, you say, listen here, devil. There's proof something's been working all the time. Now, it may not come out exactly as big as what you was believing for. That's why you got to understand successive manifestations. Elijah, man, Elijah sold a water seed. Remember he had the altar, and then he said, pour water on it. Pour more water on it. Pour more water on it. It's been a famine for three and a half years, no rain. So he wanted a water harvest, so he sold a water seed. And then he went out and prayed. And then he had his servant go look. And the servant went back and looked eight times. And then he saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Anybody know I'm in the Bible? And he said, get down, get down, baby. The rest of the water about to come up in this piece. And he got down and ran, outran the chariots because it started to rain. Most of us would have said, oh, God, it's only the cloud of the size of a man's hand. I can't, I can't get no water out of cloud that size. That wasn't what I was sowing for. My seed was bigger than that. They don't understand the principle of successive manifestation. Then finally, 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 finally is the principle of the sickle. We heard a lot of seed messages, but most people don't give you sickle messages. The, the sickle says that there is a second, separate, definite, alternate action that must be taken to reap on seeds you have sown. Any farmer knows that harvest time is hard work. You think sowing is hard work. Harvest time is hard work. So you're going to have to, even when it comes out of your time of having done everything right, be okay if God gives you something else to do to reap your harvest. Say amen if you got that. All right, now we're going into the F part of the ABCs of faith, which is forgive. Let's look at Mark 11, verses 11 through 14. Are you learning something out of this? God has been good to us, amen? All right, Mark 11, we're going to read verse 11 through 14, then we're going to skip down to 20 through 26. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come. He went out to, unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Now, Jesus appeared to be having a conversation with this tree. You know, stuff will talk to you. I, you know, I, talk, I told you that Bill talks to you. It'd be out there on the table. And then you'd be sleeping, 
and then the light bill, the gas bill, the house bill, they start, it'll wake you up out of the sleep. So stuff talked to you. This apparently talked to Jesus, and then Jesus talked back to it. Look at him. And Jesus answered. If it answered, he, it must have said something to him. And Jesus answered. It said, oh, you don't want to feed me? He said, well, then no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Stuff talk to you, you're going to have to talk to stuff. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Now, whole day went by, verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So it didn't, it didn't like normal trees, they decay from the top down. Jesus hit the root issue of the, of the tree. Faith attacks the root, not the fruit. It dried up from the root. And Peter, calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Jesus answered, he said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. So faith is voice activated. That's one of the key scriptures that we use for the confession part. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Believe you receive it at the moment you ask, and you shall have them at a later point, right? So that's where we get the enduring within the expectation. I have to believe that I have it before it manifests, okay? Everybody got that? All right. Um, now, verse 25 and 26 is the ones that we're really getting down to today as we talk about forgiveness, and when you stand praying, when you're right in the middle of the faith process, don't wait till you get out of it. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. Any Monopoly players? Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to jail. Remember, anybody beside me play Monopoly? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. He said, at the moment, while you're still in the faith process, when you stand praying, forgive. right? Forgive if you have ought against anybody. Anybody to mess with you. Anybody stepped on your toe. Anybody. You don't, get, you don't get an exemption. You don't get an exception. He won't tell you, okay, you don't have to forgive this person because they did you so bad. He, he said, if you got ought against anybody, get over it. Now, if you had a red letter Bible, those words are in red. So you don't get the option to say, well, God understands. I can't forgive them. When you're right in the middle of the process, somebody borrowed your money and didn't pay it back. You believing to get debt free and then people owe you debts. Oh, everybody want to see, everybody want to, I got supernaturally debt canceled, but they don't want to cancel somebody debt supernaturally. Everybody want to harvest. Nobody want to sow the seed. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. All right? That your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. 
But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. If you get too upset with folk that you can't forgive, then you're upset with them making God upset with you. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means it mean just what it just said. Mm-hmm. All right? So right in the middle of the ABCs of faith, he said, right when you're still in the zone, Jesus gives us a warning here that we can't ignore because it don't fit. You know, because I got... When, when people hold on forgiveness, they always got a reason why their situation is so unique that they can't forgive. They always, <laughs> they always want to take me in the office and explain to me why they can't forgive. And then they want to convince me that their situation is so unique, so different, so much above and beyond everybody else that they can't forgive and God should give them a pass. When whatever anybody has done to you pales in comparison to the sins that you committed against God, whatever anybody else has done to you, up to and including death and all of those other nasty things, pales in comparison to what you owe God. So his statement is, if I can forgive you with your nasty self, however good you think you are. However good you think you are. Surely you can forgive your brother. All right? All right? If you don't forgive, your faith gets short-circuited. Your faith gets short-circuited. I'm an electrical engineer by training, and so we design circuits where the where the voltage is one level here and there, and then the energy passes through the device, and then that's how it gets, it gets, it gets the electricity, it's power, it's, it's wattage, it's voltage, right? Okay, and then sometimes the energy doesn't go through the device, it goes around it, and then it gets a short to ground. So it's not going through the device. All my double E folks that have been through circuit training, it has a short that goes to ground. So it wasn't like there wasn't energy. It just didn't go through the device. Faith short circuits doesn't go through you. It doesn't go through you when you're in unforgiveness. You create a short circuit. That means your faith gets wasted and it just drops to the ground. Bam. There are two things, two reasons, all right, go media team. There's two reasons, two things that you must understand here. Two reasons faith won't work in unforgiveness. Number one, when you resist forgiving, you resist forgiving, forgiveness. When you resist forgiving, you resist forgiveness. You have to let it flow through you if you want it to flow to you. Yeah. If I resist forgiving you, then I'm resisting forgiveness from God. That force field I put up, it goes in all directions. You know, we want the force field to be like, I ain't <laughs> I'm pushing you away. And I want to push you away, but I want God to stay close. 
The issue is that when I pushed you away, I pushed him away too. It's a single force. And when I repel it, it, I repel it in all directions. Man, Pastor David, you preaching good. Thank you. All right, look at number two. If God lets you operate in faith without forgiveness, you would hurt somebody. If, if you could make your faith work and still be mad with people, I mean, imagine when you blowing the horn and road rage that it was a machine gun. And you in your car talking to them. And then you giving them the universal salute. One of the fingers, I don't know which one. Maybe it was a thumbs up. No, I don't think it was that one. If you could have your faith working on forgiveness, you would hurt people. All right? So look, look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Faith working through love. God turns your faith down until you can figure out how to love people, and then he turns the volume up. He ain't going to let you hurt somebody with your faith. He turns it down because you, you don't give a kid a gun. You just don't do it. You don't do it. You don't give him a CCW and tell him he can pack. You let him play, you let him play with blanks. The problem is you can't shoot your own problem down with blanks. So then you stuck because you got problems that need real faith bullets and all you got is blanks. Because you're still mad with folk and he can't trust you with real bullets yet. Luke chapter 9, read, let's read verse 51 through 56. It's talking about Jesus. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face as they went, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Now look at, look at the associate ministers. He's on his way to Jerusalem. This is his final shot. They done been with him. Now he's on his way to be crucified. That means he's been with them about three and a half years now. This is the tail end of his pastoral assignment. All right? And these are his associate ministers. Not only is these associate ministers, he begins to, let's hear from the two inner circle. They were the principal teachers. That was, it. That was the people that saw him when he raised the woman, um, the, the, the little girl from the dead. They were the people that he, he took them to see him transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. These are the inner circle. Let's see how they think about their faith life. Um, when Jesus has been slighted in the ministry. Let's look at verse 54. And when, Jesus, and when his disciples, James and John, 
saw this. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Three and a half years in, his two associate pastors. I'm trying to tell you why God turned your faith down so you don't hurt nobody. Now, Jesus didn't say y'all can't do that because y'all don't have the power. He didn't say that. Listen to what he said. And, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. You got that command from some spirit, but it wasn't the spirit of God. Now, you done been with me all these years. Y'all done been with me. You saw how I flow in ministry. But after being on the team of ministry, you weren't just in the audience. You weren't on the back row. You carried my bag. When I couldn't go, you was the one I let preach in the pulpit in my stead. You was a licensed and ordained, ordained minister. He ordained the 12 that would be with him. Here you are. You got all of that. And not only did I ordain you, but you've been with me done three and a half years. And now you got a spirit that's, you still got a spirit that's different than mine. And you're trying to use faith to make it happen. Verse 56. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy lives, but to save them. And they went to another, another village. Okay, so listen to me. See, this forgiveness thing, people want to, no, no, I ain't rushing this one. I'm letting the Holy Ghost just saturate the room. So if he, he bringing somebody up to your face, you better deal with it. I'm letting, I'm letting him do that thing. I'm letting, the, I'm letting the word do the work. Okay? We have to be watchful that we aren't hoping bad things happen to people that hurt us. Woo, yeah, yeah, I'm in it now, baby. I'm, I'm right down there where we live. We got to watch it that we don't hope bad things happen to people that hurt us. That's a negative hope that Jesus isn't working to bring to pass. But just because Jesus isn't working to bring that to pass doesn't mean there isn't a spirit out there that isn't working to bring it to pass. All right. So there is another spirit when you get in that. Jesus said, you're not of my spirit, but there's another spirit out there that will like you to destroy folks. Man, that person cut me off. I hope they get in an accident. Oh, he hurt me. I, I hope something bad happened to him. Then we get all excited. Okay. So Jesus isn't supporting that. I'm sorry, you out there on your own, but you're not on your own. There's another spirit out there that'll bring that stuff to pass. But when you do that, by the Bible definition, you are a witch. Because there is another spirit out there that's, that's right. that's, that loves to bring curses on people. Yes, 
So we all have to be careful to see now this is a, okay, this ain't a shouting message, but you, but you get this right, I'm telling you. Once you get this dealt with, then God can turn your face up and then you can get stuff fixed in your life. Because he ain't, he ain't going to turn your power up and have you hurting people. So he's going to turn your power down until you know how to love people, even people who hurt your feelings, even people who did you wrong. Okay? This is really important, y'all. I know it wasn't that shouting, shouting good message, but listen, you get this right. Stuff will really work. Okay? So make sure you're not partnering with the devil by wishing evil upon people. Even folk that did you wrong. Now listen, listen, listen. Your pastor, y'all done heard me say, and I still stand behind it. I believe our governors need to spend some time and time out with an orange jumpsuit on. What happened in my city? I, I'm, at, I'm, I'm sorry. I do believe that. If I had done wrong, looking with the skin color I got, the system is expert at making people that look like me wear orange jumpsuits. Just because you was in the governor's office don't mean it wasn't wrong. And we are seeing on the national stage how people let white privilege be there. They get angry. Y'all heard saw it this week. When you challenge their privilege. But in the middle of all that, if I let my heart get mad with them people, then me and God going to have problems, even if they wrong. I'm trying to tell people how this works. Even, see, God isn't holding me accountable for what they think about me. He's holding me accountable about what I think about them. So I have to get over the fact that they did me wrong and leave it to God hand, God's hands to handle it. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. God is the person who can love them and punish them at the same time. I'm not that good. I either want to love you or punish you. I'm not that good. So I have to leave the punishing to God and leave the loving to me. Love your enemies. Pray for those that hate you and do good to those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Because I want you to be perfect like your father in heaven. These, these are Jesus' words. They're not mine. But if you get that right, if you get that right, then your faith can really work. Now when the devil comes, you got, you got both barrels loaded. Come up in here. Kick, cock. Boom. I'm just saying. You get that stuff working right, baby then your faith can really work. But listen, you can't con God. You can't, you can't still be secretly harboring hate for folks, unforgiveness and thinking it's going to work. Man, I was at the altar one time with men of destiny, and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm doing all my prayers. And then the, the face of a pastor who stole money from my wife, came up in front of me 
God, I don't want to forgive him. It wasn't that he hurt me. He hurt the woman that you charged me to protect. I was angry. I was angry. But God wasn't going to give me no special pass like he don't give you no special pass. I had to get over it like you got to get over it. Because God has replaced the money and I'm still mad. Now see, now see, now y'all just fronting on me. Y'all front, y'all front, y'all front. God done replaced the money and I'm still mad. And I had to work through that thing, man. I'm crying up at the altar. It wasn't easy. And it wasn't because it was me. But you heard the woman I love, man. I want to come for you. I want to lay hands on you suddenly. I want to put something on you that you can feel. I ain't mad at nobody, but you heard her. You, you, he, he get all up in me. But I still had to forgive. He wasn't going to give me no pass. He wasn't going to give me no pass. I... And you know how your mind, see, I'm not the only one. Your mind started imagining, like I imagine calling him out in social media. Going to his church's Facebook page. I'm just saying, I, mean, I didn't do it. I'm just telling you where my mind went. You don't know what spirit you are, Pastor. I'm trying to help y'all like God's helping me. I had to deal with it. I got to deal with me. It's that serious, y'all. This is serious. I'm tearing up thinking about it because that could have stopped everything that I'm doing. Could have stopped a bunch of stuff. I don't want to be up here ministering to you with a short circuit. You need a pastor that got some power. You don't need me up here shooting blanks. You need somebody that got the goods. My wife don't need somebody that can't, hear, that can't pray her through something. My daughter need a real man, a real father, somebody that know how to touch God and get heaven to move on a situation. I can't be shooting blanks. I have to get over it. Why am I telling you all of that? Because you don't need to be shooting blanks neither. Whatever the situation, you're going to have to get over that thing if you really want faith to work. And then you marry people sleeping in two different rooms. Or then you on this side of the bed and she all the way on the other side and y'all can't even touch your feet. Don't play me. Don't play me. Your Bible said, don't go, go, don't go to bed angry. I'm preaching real good up in here. I am preaching really, really good. Yeah, I'm telling y'all, y'all going to have to get over it if you really want this faith thing to work. If y'all just want to play church, go someplace else. If y'all want this to work, then y'all going to have to do the stuff I'm telling you. Does that make sense? Come on, let's stand. That's enough revelation for one day. Did that bless you? I know I challenge you. It's all good, though. <laughs> Woo!
God, 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 God. God is really doing that thing, isn't he? He's helping us. The reason that God challenges us this way is because he loves us. He's not angry with you. He just wants you to know why things aren't working. We'd hate to be here, spend all this time, and just miss God. You know what? There are scriptures in the Bible that scare your pastor. One of them is, they said, Lord, we did all of these wonderful works. We prophesied in your name. We, we did all of these things in your name. And then Jesus looks back at them and say, man, when I read caller ID, your name doesn't come up. I don't know who you are. I never knew you. Because these people were trying to use their ministry funds of faith for their personal life. As a pastor, that concerns me. Paul said, I discipline my body so that I don't preach to you and I myself be cast away. We only got one soul, everybody. I got one shot at this. I don't get a do-over. So I got to live to live again. That's all we're talking about. Go ahead. You can clap and just worship God for a minute. I just, I want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Open up your mouth. Lift your hands. Tell him that you want him to move on you. There's some stuff in you. Get it out. Get it out right now. It's that serious. It is that important. You're going to have to get over people hurting you. I know there's people that think that they can hashtag church hurt and give them an out to not be in a fellowship of believers. You don't get an out. But God wants to help you to forgive. And there is a supernatural grace and a supernatural spirit that can help you forgive the people who hurt you. Jesus said it this way, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So, if Jesus can take with all his perfection, all of the imperfections of humanity and forgive them, even people that still, see some of us waiting for people to say, I'm sorry. Jesus didn't wait for us to say sorry before he forgave us. I, I want them to say, I'm sorry. They don't have to say you sorry. They sorry for you to forgive them. Don't put the power to forgive in somebody else's hands. It's not on them to ask you to forgive. It's not on them. That forgiveness is on you. Jesus said, if you had an art against any, Now, your pastor's balance, there's other scriptures say, okay, if your brother, that means we are in a real covenant relationship, if he trespassed, you rebuke him, if he repents, forgive him. But it did mean that I get, to, I get a pass to operate in unforgiveness. It just means our fellowship may not be at the same level it was before. I still got to get over it, though. I still got, Lord, so, so Lord... If you holding me accountable on this and you're not going to change your behavior, then what you're telling me is I'm going to have to deal with it until I get over it. That's personal homework that has nothing to do with them. 
it's it's a personal heart issue but it's it's that important your very eternity hinges on your ability to forgive people listen nothing that people have done or will ever do to me is worth me spending an eternity separated from the presence of god in everlasting term torment and destruction and damnation nothing that people can do to me is worth that i know there's people that look at me and because of the the richness of my tan and the melanin in my skin they don't like me they don't even know who i am and they still don't like me how they feel about me he doesn't hold me accountable for he only holds me accountable about how i feel about them what they feel about me can't hurt me not for eternity but what i feel about them can't and so i'm gonna deal with me god has an amazing plan for your life before and he put his plan together for you before the world began before any thought, habit, mistake, or misfortune overtook your life. So often we try to get our acts together and then come to the Lord. The reality is, listen, y'all, I gave you my thing. You already know my <laughs> So we can't get our act together on our own. That's why we all come to the Lord. So while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, believers are praying. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it's very, very simple. If you do, you get a benefit from this amazing plan. God will help you through your hurts. The Bible doesn't say your hurts aren't real. They're real. Pastor didn't say anything to minimize the pain that you've been through. I'm just trying to help you not let the pain of your past become the prison of your future. All right? So if you like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it's very simple. You have to believe the things that I share with you, that Jesus came, that he lived a perfect life, that he died for your sins, meaning that from heaven's perspective, he's already been punished for everything that you did wrong. But to access that, you have to ask him to be the Lord, which means the ruler of your life. Lord is not his name. Just like landlord is not that person's name. It's a function. It means that they run that property and that you will live according to the lease agreement that you have with them. The Bible is heaven's lease agreement with mankind and that Jesus is Lord and you will live your life in accordance with his dis dis um, decisions and directions. If that's you, you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer with you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So I'm asking you to lift up your hand just so that I can see it. Well, all right, I got four appeals. That's only my first one. My second appeal is you're not an unbeliever, but you've allowed hurts, hindrances, and habits to get in the way, especially hurts. God is dealing with hurts. If the Holy Spirit dealt with you about something, I'm asking you to lift your hand as a sign. Lord, I'm asking you, I saw myself. I'm dealing with some things. I want to get it over, and I want you to pray with me, Pastor David. Just lift your hands. I'm not going to do anything crazy. Just going to pray with you. I just want you to act on it. Do the D. All right? So I see hands going up. You can put your hand down. All right? My third appeal is you're a believer, but you haven't received that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, there is a second work of grace. It's, 
it's like having a car and then putting a supercharged turbo. All right, I'm a car. I got to give car examples. A turbocharged engine, right? It, it's, it's something that speeds you up along your destiny path. And you have a crystal clarity to hear God and the power to act on his word when you receive that. And I'm just going to pray with you and you're going to believe with me that the Holy Spirit empowerment that the word says is yours. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you about being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? And then finally, 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 last appeal is, I saw your hand, thank you. The last appeal is this. Um, I would love to be your man of God. One of the things God has challenged me in my Sunday services is to invite others to become a part of this community that's called Destiny Generation. You've heard the worship, you've experienced it, you've heard the word of God. We, we work to get ancient truth in a contemporary translation so that you can leave out being confident in your faith, knowing how to walk with God, knowing how to overcome the challenges in your life, and knowing that your eternity with God is secured and settled because you know what the Word says and you know how to walk it out in your life. I'd love to talk to you when the service is over about membership and destiny generation. We're just going to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, possibly me and Lady Nedra, my darling bride, and we'll just tell you about things about how to connect with us as a community. If you're interested in learning about church membership and having us have that conversation with you once church is over, would you raise your hand so I'll know who I'm believing for and with in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. All right. Come on. We're going to all pray together. You may already be a believer, but we're going to pray in agreement with the people that are praying. And if there's things in our lives, we're going to get that right in our prayer time. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, you told me through Jesus that if I am to receive forgiveness, I must give forgiveness. I forgive everyone. I forgive anyone of anything that has hurt me, that has held me back, that has hindered me from walking in your destiny. Lord, no offense from other people is, is worth being offended with you. So I let them go because I'm asking you to let me go in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, you said through Jesus that if you, as an earthly father, can give good gifts to your children that you as our heavenly father will give the holy spirit to those who ask i'm asking you now i believe i receive it and i fully expect to speak with other tongues as your spirit gives me utterance heavenly father i'm walking in forgiveness my faith works because i'm walking in love i'm walking in your spirit to save lives not to destroy them. I purpose today to have a positive hope, to have a positive love, to have a positive forgiveness, to be a person who walks with you, who loves people, who forgives them because I have been forgiven by you so that I can walk in the destiny that you have for me in Jesus' name. Go ahead, clap, praise the Lord right there. Hallelujah. You may be seated.
got some announcements. I just want to talk back to the the people here. Now, listen, y'all, y'all, y'all heard it raw. <laughs> if you were watching with us online, but um, these are just things that the Lord has told us to share with you, and we know um, that the word blessed you. Um, if if you were blessed by the word, I'm going to ask you to also do something that we gave uh, the people here a chance to do. Information is there on your screen that will tell you how to sow into the word. Help us to help other people experience the difference of destiny. We believe that God wants the voice of our ministry to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're right in the process of getting our streaming of our whole services together. We're also in the process and in plans to go on radio and television as well. And so we just want you to help us. Um, one of the things that you do um, when you've been fed by a ministry is that you help that ministry take the word to other people so that they can experience the same thing that you've done. Please, the information is there on the screen that allows you to do um, what I just asked you to do. All right. Now, I also want to tell you about some upcoming events this Tuesday. This Tuesday, uh, we will um, continue on in our series on end time events called Back to the Future, our th Tuesday empowerment hour. We go from 630 to 8. We're very tight with our time because um, we recognize it's midweek. And so we want you to be there. This Back to the Future revelation on end time events. You know, your pastor has an ability to just help you to see things that that are there but see it with the depth and so i'm doing that if you if you're if you've not been here i'm even saying that to those that are sitting here in the sanctuary if you are off work you need to make your way because what i'm teaching here is really 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 good stuff and it'll help you to know how to live in the days in which you live all right um and we got a party that's coming up shortly in jesus name hallelujah praise the lord It's my party and you're all invited in Jesus name. This is the time that the church ministers to me. Um, and this is important to me because as hard as I pour my life into this, it helps me to see how the word is helping people for people to give me testimonies that say, Pastor David, your ministry has touched my life, changed my family. I don't want people making it up, but I just want people to have a chance to do that because it strengthens me for the journey. And I want to be as strong in the journey as I intend to make you. So the 11th, the 12th, and the 14th, 11th and 12th is a Thursday, Friday night. Um, those services are 7 p.m. My um, These are members of the board um, of Destiny Generation Church. These are my brothers in ministry, and they help me to stay accountable, right? Um, to other leaders and they challenge me to basically do right by you and so I, I really appreciate them I trust each and every one of them Pastor Tony Shaw of McKinney Texas I'm Dr. James Foster of Evanston Illinois and then Sunday morning seven Sunday morning we're actually shifting the service from 1030 to 1015 um, a.m. for for Dr. Herbert Banks and we're doing that for the purpose that Dr. Banks will be here but he will simulcast and they will watch his message over at uh, New Creation, which is also here in the city. So since he's here, we're trying to sync up our services. Our service though Sunday will be timed so that we can both get to the point of the message about roughly at the same time. So please, please, uh, Destiny Generation, we won't be having foundations class that Sunday. So please, we're looking for everybody to be here and we're gonna start at 1015, all right? I think that's as much as I want to say at this point. So please, please see you next time. God bless you. We love you. See you soon. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs>